he uses football, he uses it as his platform with sports and everything else to be able to touch men not only who believe in Christ, but many people who are unchurched. There was probably no hope for me to have the life that I wanted to have. And to see how God has brought about restoration and redemption in my own life and to be able to share that with other guys and go, no, God really can do that. Welcome in, everybody, to the Run the Race podcast. I have a double guest for you uh, today, a uh, special day, as uh, we are approaching college football season, and they're actually holding an event uh, later this week as this podcast comes out with uh, Tim Tebow, who's perhaps uh, one of, if not the best college football player of all time, whether you are a Florida fan or Georgia or Auburn or Alabama. You, it's hard to argue against that. And so I'm uh, going to talk to them about that event coming up, and um, they are uh, leaders for the redeemed which uh, their mission is to provide men with a supportive community where all men can open up about challenges worries failures uh, celebrating their triumphs over uh, over the, their different struggles and to, you know to you know because we all I think in in a way women men whoever we have a feeling sometimes of brokenness but we are afraid to share it we're afraid to be judged we're afraid to uh, be censored for that. And so this is an open platform where uh, people can, um, you know, openly share. They have daily devotionals, other resources. They have a podcast we're going to talk about called The Redeemed Man. We have some similar guests we've had on over the last few months and uh, discuss a lot of different issues. Uh, but our two guests are um, the founder of The Redeemed, Paul Amos, who has been a longtime successful businessman, got his start with Aflac, which is a big headquarters right across the street from us here at WTVM in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, started out as a state sales manager, worked his way all the way up to president, where he, which he was for a decade. Now he is uh, the director of Covey Equity, a holding company, and uh, back in 2020, and uh, he's going to tell us a little more about this story on the podcast here, but he founded The Redeemed, this is right in the middle of the pandemic, as a way of providing support and guidance to adult men suffering with addiction, different life challenges, depression, because, you know, men face these things, but sometimes we're, we're quiet about it. So we, we're going to talk about that today. We're going to let it all out. Um, he is a father of four. He earned his bachelor's degree from <clears throat> Duke University. <laughs> I'm a Tar Heel, so uh, we're going to, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that, but uh Definitely Duke and Carolina, big rivals on the basketball court. He has a Juris Doctor degree from Tulane University School of Law and an MBA from Emory University's uh, Business School there. And then their uh, new director for The Redeemed, he's been with them for the last year, uh, Nathan Dewberry. Um, back in 2022, he joined forces with them and uh, he you know, has been a student, associate, administrative pastor, uh, and several semesters of seminary training. He grew up in a small town in Alabama, earned his degree in horticulture at Auburn University, so we'll give him a war eagle Lord for that, man. and uh, worked for several years in Auburn as a landscape designer, moved to Columbus uh, when his wife, an Army vet, was transferred to Fort Benning. He worked for several months at Global Teen Challenge, which is a, a, an unbelievable organization that helps people uh, overcome addiction, uh, rehab from that, and it's faith-based, and it's so successful helping people overcome those addictions. So, uh, Paul and Nathan, uh, Paul and Nate, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, glad to be here. It's an honor to be here with you today. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, well, I, uh, kind of flipping the script a little bit. You guys are often interviewing people on your podcast, so now you are on the other side of it. I'm going to you know, put you in the hot seat here. So, uh, and uh, well, Nate, first of all, I'm, I want to start with you uh, because um, we're approaching college football season. It's a big deal for a lot of guys around here. Very big deal. In the Southeast. And, um, you know, men, 
um, we bond over that. I mean, we sit for like three hours at the game itself or on our couches and recliners watching football together. And then sometimes it's just, you know, eating and watching and only talking about the plays of the game or yeah. the coach messed up or whatever else. But uh, what's the importance of having uh, of having men around you, friends, um, and, and being able to bond over more than just football, but you know, life, talking about faith, talking about our struggles with our, our families as well. Yeah, recent studies um, really reveal that men are notorious for not having great relationships, but in recent studies it's shown that very few men have close friends that they can call on. And it's really a shame because there's those environments where we can come together, we can celebrate a sporting event, have a good time around some common hobby that we enjoy, but we miss the opportunity to connect on a deeper level. Oftentimes our spouses or, or women uh, can connect emotionally and we as guys sometimes hold and bottle things in and we're not as healthy as we should be. Uh, being our real and authentic self to be able to share our challenges and our struggles is super important and you need that group of men around you who are going to encourage you, love you as you are, not as who you think you should be. And I think a lot of guys feel like they've got to put on a facade to be accepted or not really be vulnerable in any way. And in order to really grow, you've got to be vulnerable and authentic. And sometimes, you know, growing up as you know, young men, uh, whether you play sports or not, you're told by your maybe your coach or your friends or your dad that like crying or um, sharing your emotions is a sign of weakness. Yes. And that's a misconception, right? For sure, because weakness is um, honestly not being able to deal with who you're on the inside. If you know who you are and you have your identity uh, determined and you are confident in that, there is a um, really just a, a confidence that you can walk forward knowing that you have everything that God has created you to be. You don't feel like you've got to measure up. You don't feel like you've got to perform for anybody. And that doesn't mean weak or soft. A lot of guys, I think, are told and think that if they share their emotions or let anybody know that they've got their challenges, that it makes them weak. And the reality of it is, is they're much stronger if they can share their challenges and overcome those with other people. Because when we share our weaknesses to other guys, we find common ground. It doesn't mean we sit around and hold hands and talk about our feelings all the time, but it also means that we can be authentic with those around us. And when we are authentic, it lets us feel comfortable in our own skin, it gives us peace, and it really makes us where we're not so focused on performing. Yeah, and Paul, you know, I mean, maybe those that are listening to this episode, you know, they're, they're like, ah, oh, you know, we're told to be manly men and, you yeah. know, and, and have our tools and go out and grunt and, and, uh, and, and not, you know, share openly our feelings. But is that something that maybe, you know, times are changing where it's more acceptable now? I think certainly it is. I think reality is that we've damaged so many of these young men by for so long telling them to repress things. Uh, Nate called it a facade. I call it putting on a mask where we're living two different lives. We're trying so hard to put up this image that we believe society has told us that we have to do, whether it's been from our parents, whether it's been from those around us, whether it's been from leaders in the community and leaders in our education, coaches, as you mentioned, uh, but from whomever it is, these things that have been placed upon us about 
not crying, not do, not sharing, not being emotional, not being men who really openly embrace life together, uh, is really something that I think has harmed a lot of men out there and that we're struggling now to even talk through. And so a big portion of why we're here and what we're doing is to get men in community with each other and help them understand that having real relationships beyond just talking about whether that was the right third down call, uh, you know, but, but really talking about things on a deeper level it's amazing when you begin to do it, how it starts to transform your life. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can tell you that I, for decades, spent time with nothing but relationships that were, you know, for all practical purposes, just surface. And now that I've found the depth in men and the real relationships you can have, you find that you begin to really yearn for that all the time and in every one of your relationships. And it really can change your outlook on, on life and how you do things. Yeah, those third down plays though are important now. They are, <laughs> they are, yeah. Well, you know, and uh, I wanna talk in just a little bit about what you guys do with The Redeemed. And I think uh, one of the episodes where you were actually introducing Nate, you called it from zero to substance. We have those kind of surface relationships. Let, let's maybe have some substance there as well, you know, because we only live this one life. But um, Paul, I wanted to uh, kind of ask you the question that you guys ask a lot of people at the beginning of your podcast, The Redeemed, Man. So for you, what, what does redemption mean? Thank you for asking. It is funny when you've asked that question almost 70 <laughs> times on these podcasts, you realize at some point somebody's going to flip the script oh. on you and ask it. Uh, but you know, really it is, it is being bought back. It is the opportunity to once again have all of the things in your life washed away that God makes a promise to us that he has, through his son Jesus being on the cross, washed away our sins, washed away everything, and prepared a path for us even before we ask for it. And I think that last part was the part that was the most overwhelming to me in my journey, was to know that not only was it available to me, but that God had already paved that path for me. Uh, and so being bought back, being restored to once again, uh, wholly the person that God saw me to be, that he created me to be, uh, that is ultimately uh, being redeemed and being able to live life in the fullest all over again in the way that he had designed us to do it in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's well said. And, and Nate, you know, uh, as the director for the last year for The Redeemed, um, I know in the in the description online on your website, it talks about how, I mean, obviously it's faith-based, but, you know, that you welcome men of any faith or maybe no faith at all, you know, because God's redemption is not a trophy to be won. It's, it's open to all. So tell me about, you know, in terms of the tangible things to get there, um, what are what are some of the things that the redeem does to um, you know kind of uh, help uh, to lobby those relationships? Yeah, so we really feel like the best way to connect with other guys is to get around a table. Uh, honestly, we often feel the most comfortable when we are eating something as, as guys. <laughs> but if you get around a table in a small group and just begin to have conversations, I think it really begins there. And so we want to facilitate that with small groups. So we have online groups and in-person groups that we believe are really one of the greatest catalysts to long-term relationship. We do those in semesters. So there's always a space for new guys to come in. If you have the same group over time, it's hard to really bring people into that space because everybody already knows all the backstory and all the conversations. So by our groups changing, it allows new people to come in and get involved, but you can continue to maintain relationships with those guys that you connected with in a group. 
And when you begin to, we, we use our podcast, we use a set of questions just to talk about, because we know that a lot of the guys that we interact with do come from a faith background. They do know scripture, but one of the things they're often missing is just to have a relationship with some guys that they can talk through the things that they're facing. We've got one guy that's been a part of our group who uh, wife has been homebound for 10 years and he carries so much weight from having to care for her that he's able to bring that to the group and, and receive encouragement and love and support when he's carrying so much on his own. It's a safe space for him to let go of that and then to have other guys to go, hey, I understand that or hey, I don't understand that, but I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to be beside you with that. Um, and so our small groups are one of the biggest things that we allow to facilitate that. We're also starting some new groups this fall we're calling Huddles, which are going to be monthly. Knowing that a lot of guys in our culture today are super busy, they're like, oh my gosh, how could I commit to a group once a week? I've got this with my kids on Thursday night and on Tuesday night and this going on the weekend. Well, hey, come once a month, plug in with some guys, eat breakfast together, again, around a table, because we, uh, as men, get more comfortable when we're putting something in our mouth too at the same time to eat and enjoy. And so fellowshipping around that meal and talking and studying and really just being in a relationship with each other. Yeah. Paul and I have learned even in our relationship of just, hey, what's going on? Starting out, when we have things to talk about with the Redeem, we start out with what's going on in your life? What's going on in my life? How can I pray for you? How can I be there to support you? And when you do that and you open up things, it's amazing what guys begin to share. Our online group, I mean, we've seen guys step into that group and then the first night or the second night say, hey, I'm struggling with alcohol and I don't really know how to deal with this. Or I've got a, a problem with my marriage and could really use your prayers. And when guys begin to see other guys do that, it's, it's the honor of taking the first step. So whoever takes that first step, it really breaks down the wall for so many other guys to do that. And Paul and I have had the opportunity to be the, the people in the room a lot of times that are the ones to share that first. And it really is an honor because we've gone through our challenges and now we're able to use those challenges to help other people and be able to just say, hey, I've been there and it was hard but look what God's done since. Yeah, because I mean, none of us are perfect. I mean, <laughs> and sometimes we put up that facade, that mask of like, hey, everything's all right, I'm okay. You know, especially like with our coworkers or our yeah. friends and we don't want to show, you know, uh, that, that we're going through it. But I guess this is an opportunity for like, because a lot of times we feel alone. Like when we're, mm -hmm. if we're going through something, you feel like, okay, well, nobody else is dealing with it. Or they just don't know, they can't understand. Exactly. But I guess, you know, like you said that, uh, you know, there are other people in that group, perhaps, that have, that know exactly where, what, you know, and they've been through it and they've come out on the other side, right? Yeah, yeah. We and and one of the online groups, we have guys that three of them went through divorce in 2020, a hard year on a lot of people, and then these guys lost their marriages in that year, and they're able to come around each other, encourage each other, and support each other, and celebrate when good things are happening past that. Uh, we have one of the guys in our group is, is engaged, uh, or about to get engaged to, to get remarried, and the guys are just able to rally around him, and love on him, and support him, and they're able to see that, hey, there is hope for me. I don't have to stay where I'm at. And so much of that is crucial to our identity, and so we really talk a lot about who we are, but then who we are in Christ, knowing that a lot of times guys that are defined by the, the number of touchdowns they've made, you know, what's your bank account got, got, have in it, um, what's your family look like, and we want them to understand that no, it's so much more about what Christ says about them, that they are chosen, that they're adopted, that they're loved, that they are redeemed. And when they begin to function out of their true identity, their identity in Christ, then those other things become less important. 
seeing yourself the way God sees you, yes. which is hard to do sometimes. Yes. You know, and Paul, you know, he was just talking about touchdowns. We, you, know, you guys have an event coming up. Uh, this podcast will come out, you know, maybe a, a day or a few days before Thursday, August 24th. Y'all tell me more about that event. I mean, it's, it's a big name coming to town. And, and yeah. so it's something that, you know, I mean, guys, like we talked about, love football and they may not love the Florida Gators, but you know, Tim Tebow, it's, it's hard from, from a faith perspective. I mean, he has been so outspoken about that. You know, when we sat down and originally started to get a vision for what we wanted to do here in this area with this event, we calling it Restored by the Redeemed, uh, we really wanted to bring someone to Columbus that not only had an incredible message, but who would speak across all men. And if you really look at the list of the top 10 Christian speakers in America, Tim Tebow stands out as the most unique one on the list because he uses football, he uses it as his platform with sports and everything else to be able to touch men, not only who believe in Christ, but many people who are unchurched, many people who have not yet heard that message. And so we think Tim's gonna come and bring an incredible message of hope, an incredible message about what men can do by being in community with each other, hitting on the things that exactly we're trying to do within our jobs as at the redeemed. Uh, and I think that it is going to uh, bring men together. It is unique that we'll have almost 600 men in the room at one time. Uh, you know, you got to have enough chairs and enough spread out that everybody doesn't <laughs> feel like they're piled on top of yeah. each other. So we've got enough room and enough of a place and the bib mill is going to be a, a great spot to be able to do that. Uh, and so for a few hours on Thursday night, we're going to be uh, all wrapped up in one and excited about hearing what Tim can kind of bring to the community and then hoping from there to launch the small groups that Nate's been talking about, the huddles that Nate's been talking about, and getting men to vault out of this event into a bigger step for them in their future. Yeah, and this is, I mean, it's, it's sold out. I guess there, you can't still get in, I guess, right? <laughs> no, unless you can, unless you know somebody who's not going and you can buy their ticket. There Unfortunately, <laughs> we are sold out, you know. We had right at 600 guys coming and it's just, uh, you know, it's the perfect number, uh, but we are have unfortunately had more demand than we even expected. Yeah. Uh, and so next year we're already talking about moving potentially to a different facility where we can have even more people attend uh, and, you know, the, continue to push the message about what the Redeem's doing and helping men. Yeah, you'll have to have like somebody from Bama or Auburn, maybe, maybe <laughs> Nick Saban or something yeah. like that, perhaps. Um, and Paul, you know, sticking with you, you know, um, you come from you know long time business and law background yep. and kind of very um, focused on economics and yeah. focused on like you know okay what can we do to make the business thrive so how do you pivot from that mm -hmm. to what you're doing now which is you know i mean you're you're, you're still working you know with, with covey equity but doing the redeemed how different is that for you and, and why i guess Oh my goodness, it is so different. And the levers you have to pull and the things you have to do. I would actually say that the closest experience I have in my career to it is working in a commission only sales force at Aflac where 100% of the people are voluntary. And it's very true in, in, in religious circumstances that everyone is a volunteer. Everyone, you have no leverage over them. You can only motivate them to come and do things. Uh, and so uh, it is, uh, you know, working in a religious environment requires a lot of differences. First of all, you can't just bootstrap it and say, I'm going to do it myself. You've got to first and foremost believe that God's going to do it for you. 
and you've yes. got to pray for it, and you've got to put him and his vision first. Let me tell you, as a guy who spent his whole life trying to control everything, that has been a tough sell for Paul Amos. <laughs> to be out of your control. To be out of my control. And so, uh, but at the same time, it's been richly rewarding. Uh, and, and I've learned a lot over the last couple of years. I, you know, 2020 to 2022, doing it on my own, having some additional help through a marketing agency, but for the most part, being the only employee it was a humbling experience, but having a partner come on, having a director in, in Nate has really made an environment where we can collaborate and where we can do these things together. And as he said, we're doing it as much in a deep male relationship as we are as coworkers. And uh, I think that's really been a lever for me. It's allowed me to bring back some of the positive things that I learned in the business environment, some of the collaborative skills, some of the teamwork, some of the uh, you know um, project-oriented skill sets that uh, helped me be successful. Uh, at the same time, uh, I'm not going to lie to you, Jason. This is one of the harder things I've ever uh, ventures I've ever <laughs> taken on, and uh, I, I've found it though to be so much more rewarding than I ever dreamed possible. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it can, uh, doing, you know, you've kind of met some of those challenges in the business world, you know, as, as president and, and with Covey Equity, but this is, this is a new challenge, yeah. you know. <laughs> and um, Nate, he was talking about you, you know, coming on board and, and you mentioned this earlier about, you know, guys going through stuff. And, and I know you're um, open about this, going yeah. through a divorce yourself and you've know, been remarried mm -hmm. and, and uh, you have three, children um so tell me about kind of that journey for you um because you know the redeemed is all about you know just laying it all out there and getting that help from god yeah. and from other men so uh how, how how have you dealt with all this yeah it's, it's crazy because when paul and i first started talking and i realized there might be an opportunity to come on as the director for me it, it really was a moment to go uh, my life has come full circle um going through uh a very tumultuous time in my life um, when my life was turned upside down. At one time I lost my family and losing my wife and lost ministry. I was serving at a local church, uh, lost my home during that season. Like it, it really felt like everything was gone. I felt like I've, I was a failure. I felt like that there was probably no hope for me to have the life that I wanted to have. And to see how God has brought about restoration and redemption in my own life and to be able to share that with other guys and go, no, God really can do that. He really can lift you out of the pit and set your feet on the rock has been so much fun for me because it really is going, God, you're using what I went through. You're using the things that were difficult for me that now I can share and hopefully help other guys know there, there can be change, there can be transformation, and they don't have to stay where they're at. Now, it may be a long road to get there, but there's guys who will walk alongside you who are either further along in the journey or they're right there with you in it, and they're going, hey, come on, let, we, can, we can do this. Because sometimes the hardest thing for us as is, is Christ followers, I think, is preaching the gospel to ourselves. I think we often can tell other people, oh, you just you believe in Jesus and he, he changes your life and transforms you. But oftentimes what we have to do is go, no, that's, that's my story as well. Like he's changed me and he is transforming me and I am an adopted son and I am forgiven. And for me, that season of my life was so hard. 
Uh, it was partly my own making for me, not knowing who to turn to. In ministry, you, you, if you're not careful, you quickly can feel like you've got to be perfect. You've got to have it all together because there's this expectation that, hey, he, he's the, the pastor, so he, he, he's supposed to have it all right. And if you're not careful, that really is the way you begin to live and you begin to put up some guards that people don't really know what's going on inside you. And so after that, I think I'm probably more intentional than ever in the questions I ask others and the questions I want other people to ask me. Because I don't want there to be anything in my life that somebody doesn't know about. Yeah. And is it, was there a moment like when you, you talk about losing pretty much everything, yeah. you know, uh, that you listed off the things there, you know, uh, what, was there a moment or was there a person or, or a, a something that happened to you that like flipped the switch where you were <laughs> able to kind of go back up yeah. the mountain? Yeah. Uh, honestly, it was meeting my, my current wife. Uh, I mean, that was just, it was one of those things where I remember we started talking uh, and a and having conversations around someone else. We had a mutual friend in common. I never thought I would get remarried. It was not something I was looking for, was not interested in that. And once we started talking, I began to go, she's pretty cool. Like I'm enjoying this conversation. And before you know it, I, I was just blown away by somebody who could see beyond the hurt that was in my life because I was a mess. I mean, I, but, but somehow she could see uh, who I was because of what Christ had done in me, even though that's not how I was living in that moment. And she could see beyond that. And there, there was a moment there I went, God, is this her that I'm excited about? And so I want my life to look different or is it really you doing this? And, and there, and there was so much peace came over me that God said, I am doing this. And part of this story is blessing you in an area that you did not think was possible to be blessed in. Because I didn't. I, I didn't even know, should I get remarried? What does this look like? And man, in those moments, I began to go, no, God does love me. His affections are toward me and he does want the best for me. And it was, it was a moment where my life really turned around tremendously. I mean, just from one direction to the other. Yeah, and now and look now yeah. you were the redeemed yeah. for the last year yeah. plus. And uh, Paul, you know, um, he, you know, we talked about being you know a husband. How important, you know, a lot of men. I mean, um, you know, as, as Christians, we hope that that's part of our identity or that's part of our priority. But um, you know, a lot of times the job, whatever our job is, we're we're a doctor, uh, we're a teacher, mm-hmm. uh, we're a businessman. Uh, you know, that's kind of our part of our identity or what people know us for. But how important is that role of husband and father? And you've got four kids, so how important are those roles? You know, th- because a lot of times maybe we don't put them as high as they need to be. Oh no, certainly. I mean, I went through an entire era of my life where my priorities were completely misaligned. I was focused on myself, my career, my journey, my ability to climb the corporate ladder and all the things that, you know, in many ways that are reinforced as you're growing up and the things you're told you're supposed to do. And then you wait till you get your 40s and you say, oh my goodness, I've done it all wrong for all this time. And, uh, and, and you start to, to restack the priority list and realize that my identity isn't in a job or a job title, that my identity is in Christ and my identity is in being the man I should have been. You know, uh, one of the podcasts I'm most proud of is having the opportunity to interview my second son, Mansell. Uh, and we went through a real crisis in our relationship where he actually quit calling me dad and started calling me Paul. 
and it was because things that were so deeply broken between us and the priorities that I had placed in my life. And I had to really reorient my whole perspective and become the father that I should have been. Unfortunately, in 2020, I went through a divorce as well and have been for the last three years. I have a really wonderful relationship with my ex-wife and, uh, and I do prioritize that being a very different relationship going forward. Uh, but at the same time, I try to be the ultimate father that I can be. And I try to put my children's needs first and I try to stack my love for them ahead of even what I'm doing for myself other than knowing that I have to be whole in order to be whole for them. And, uh, and so, uh, yes, it has absolutely been a total life change for me uh, and one that I am proud to say that I've undertaken. When I was, you know, there were times in my life when I remember pulling into the carpool line at school and seeing all these fathers and thinking to myself, here they are at nine o'clock in the morning, 8.30 in the morning, they haven't gone to work yet, they're dropping off carpool, what are they doing? And I look and I look back on that and I think, how stupid was I that I was missing the opportunity to be with my kids, to do those things, to place them as the higher priority. And I was totally missing it, not them. And, uh, and so I think I've got it right now, or at least I'm on the right path. Uh, and uh, my four kids would tell you that uh, I do everything I can to be the best father I can be. Yeah, my kids are in Auburn. Uh, I was so blessed to uh, have an amazing woman in my life. Uh, when we got married, she didn't have any kids of her own and not been married before. So she stepped in as a phenomenal, phenomenal stepmom. Uh, she loves those kids as her own. She is, um, at the time that she came into their life seven years ago, they were much younger. It was a great season, honestly, that she was able to come into to their lives and build a great relationship with them. Uh, being a dad um, is scary. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's scary. There's no instruction manual. You know, you, you, you go, God, why is there not more in the word about raising kids? <laughs> like, you know. There is. You, just, you, have, to, you have to look, you know. And so many principles that are yeah, there, but sure. yet, you know, do I let my son go out on this date? Or what do I do with my daughter? And, and, you know, you really have to have a relationship with God, I think. And you really have to know that he loves your kids more than you love your kids and be able to trust your kids to him. And that's really been part of it for me of going, man, I can't change that they have to live in two different homes now. And I've watched how difficult that can be for them at times. But then I'm also reminding that I've got my own difficulties from my, my background and how I grew up. We all do. And so I just get the opportunity to help them navigate that and learn principles that go across whether or not they lived in one home, two homes, or w whatever that looks like. I get to show them, hey, this is what God's Word says, and this is how I seek to live that out, and hopefully equip them to live a life of obedience to God, not because they have to, but because they get to, and because when they fail, I'll be there to pick them up, and when they're you know, winning, I'll be there to celebrate. You know, a lot of times we bond with our sons or daughters or, you know, uh, over sports or over shared passions. And I know, Nate, you know, I think I see, saw one of the podcasts. You actually interviewed your son yes. as well, who uh, ran track or maybe still does for Auburn High School. My son ran for all four years for Columbus High School. So, um, you know, we talk about fitness on this podcast. I mean, do you run with him or is he, is he faster than you? He is you? way faster than I am. <laughs> I do not run with him much. Honestly, the, the thing we bond over the most is our faith. Uh, we talk a lot about um, scriptures together. 
Uh, he feels called to missions, and so honestly, that's probably the biggest thing we spend the most time talking about. He comes to me for decisions and asks me things about what, it, what I think this means in, in Scripture, and so that's probably where we have the most conversation. Uh, we both love the outdoors as well, so if you can get us out hiking, uh, we, can, we can both hang at that point because he's not taking off and leaving, although he did at the Grand Canyon last year. <laughs> <laughs> On the family trip. Oh, yes. Yeah. He, he, he had to show me how quick he could get up out of the canyon, and he left me in the dust. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, and Nate hasn't quite experienced this yet, but Paul, you and I have about you know, kind of um, the letting go part. You know, as kids get older, I mean, you've got a, a young one, but as they get older and go off to college and go off to beyond that, it's, uh, it's even scarier um, because, you know, um, you have to trust that, okay, I did a good enough job and it, trust God that you're going to protect them with wise decisions or <laughs> bad decisions. So what's, what's that like? What's that been like for you as, as a dad? My oldest just turned 21 last month. And so I can tell you that the process of allowing him to make decisions on his own, <laughs> to fail on his own, to succeed on his own, it, there are these wonderful moments where you get to breathe out and say, he did it right. <laughs> and then there are those scary moments where you have to let go and say, whatever happens, happens. And uh, you know, the truth is I feel so blessed because A, I know my kids have their salvation and that God is walking them. They're not solely dependent on their earthly father. Their heavenly father is walking with them. Uh, at the same time, though, uh, you know, as, our, as their earthly father, I feel responsible and I want to help in every way I can. But this transition from a role of real legitimate parenting into a role of the pseudo friend and parent, uh, it is a, uh, it's, it's a, it's a big adjustment. And uh, as you said, you've experienced it. It's a, it's a whole new ball game uh, being off at college, out of sight, out of mind is what my dad used to say, uh, but I don't know that that's always true. I'm, nowadays with cell phones yeah. and FaceTime and everything else, you know, I went off to college and talked to my parents maybe once a week. My kids call me two to three times a day. <laughs> and so there is this ongoing connection that I think is deeper now between father and son and our parent and child uh, than necessarily happened before the age of technology. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, talking about faith, you know, Nate was talking about having that uh, those conversations with other men and with your son, with your, your family members. Um, and, uh, you know, Paul, tell me about, you know, how, how is it awkward sometimes? I mean, because, you know, um, coming up and talking to somebody about faith is not something maybe is a, uh, a, a thing that maybe a lot of people feel comfortable doing. Yeah. Uh, maybe, you know, the redeemed, you have a setting where you, it's a safe place to do that. But uh, how do we get there where it's okay to, to, to talk about faith and, you know, because um, people feel like they're going to be judged or they're going to be called a Jesus freak mm -hmm. or they're going to be labeled as, oh, well, you think you're better than me kind of thing. Yeah, well, I think that you know, just my story like dates is, is a difficult one and went through a personal crisis. And I like to lead with the fact that I'm fallen. I like to lead with the fact that I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. And so I think that sometimes the Jesus freak or other thing comes around when people think that you're perfect. Yeah. When people <laughs> think that you're somehow better than them and they don't want to be seen that way, I'm far from better than others. Uh, and so as a result, I try to put my story out there and be one of the icebreakers, one of the people who is willing to kind of say it first so that other people are comfortable telling their story. And I think when you break down that wall, uh, it, it breaks down some of the barrier to people feeling like God is there for them. Uh, and so uh, 
I just have seen in my life that an era of openness and a willingness to share goes a long way toward helping people. And really that's all I have is my story. I'm not responsible for the turnaround in my life. God's responsible for the turnaround in my life. You know, yes, I took steps toward him, but in the end it's all about him. And so the only thing that I have and that how I support this growth of this ministry and my friendships and my relationships is around how my story fits into that bigger picture. Yeah, and whatever you're comfortable sharing, not to put you on the spot, but uh, tell me about your your crisis and what you went through in terms of, you know. Yeah, I just, I had, as I mentioned earlier, I had my priorities all out of whack. I was not the husband or the father that I needed to be. I was not there and kind of present. I was physically present all the time, but mentally I was not present in my life. And I made a lot of choices that I deeply regret. Uh, but I decided that when I had some really great people invest in me, uh, some people that both here in this community, but also people around the country who said to me, I'm gonna help you get back to the place that you need to be and we're gonna do this with God together. So the outpouring of this ministry and where this all started was that so many people put back into me that I wanted to give back to others. And I wanted to show men out there that they can take off that mask, that they can no longer have to live two different lives, that they don't have to be putting up like the Wizard of Oz, a facade on the outside and a different life on the inside. And I think when the connection of those two become one and the reality of being one individual, the same on the outside and on the inside happens, it transforms your life and that's what happened for me. It, it took time. I did not make that change overnight, uh, but I believe now I'm in a very different place than the one I lived for so long. Yeah, and like Wizard of Oz, you know, if our, if our life is the yellow brick road, it is not straight. <laughs> it, is, it is all over the place. Yes. It is jagged, it's downhill, it's uphill. And, and, and Nate, you know, um, you, know, you worked uh, for, for a time for Teen Challenge. And I know as the redeemed, you guys, uh, you know, addiction is part of your ministry, part of what you talk about. Uh, whether it be you know drugs, alcohol, pornography, all kinds of things, people are addicted to to work or yeah. whatever else. Um, and uh, so, how do you how do you tackle that? Whether it be small groups or mm-hmm. devotionals or whatever else, in terms of um, because you know that's that can be a really messy thing, and sometimes you need professionals yes. to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're, we're definitely not a one-stop shop. You don't come to the redeemed if, if you're in the middle of uh, an ongoing crisis with alcohol, we, but we can get you to the right place, but we can journey with you through it. What we've learned is how can we come beside you? How can we be with you in this process of change? Uh, we want to be that community around you and no matter what steps you need to take, whether it's professional counseling, whether it's a, um, um, treatment program that you need to get involved with. We want to get you to those places, but we want to journey with you. We want to get you plugged into the community because a lot of times it's after that. You've, you've had, you know, gone to a treatment program for 12 months and then you step out. A lot of times guys leave those relationships. How can we plug them in a community who understands and also who doesn't make it all about whatever they're going through? One of the things that I think is so crucial for our health is not to just be defined by our struggle but to be defined about who God says we are again, coming back to that identity part of, all right, you've been changed, you're transformed. How can you use your story to help somebody else? How can you uh, get in a group and, and journey with other men that maybe have a struggle that's totally different than yours, but yet you can come, find common ground in the challenges that you face and overcoming that as well. Yeah. So we do that through our small groups. Um, 
one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, I, I have lots of conversations with different people that reach out that say, hey, I, I've got something I'm, I'm dealing with, a guy that leads one of our groups. Um, he's actually in Iowa, leads an online group for us. And um, part of that conversation came about through social media. We connected and began to share our struggles and I began to, to help him in some ways. And, and man, just to see the progress he's made just by being in community. Sometimes we need additional resources. Sometimes we need additional counseling, but oftentimes we just need some guys to be real and honest with. And if we begin that hard work in the process of saying, hey, I'm pursuing Christ, I'm gonna spend time in the word, uh, I need some encouragement and accountability with that, we begin to see some strongholds break off of guys in that. And sometimes, you know, people in general, but especially maybe men, get intimidated when they hear, oh, we're gonna sit around and talk about yeah. our feelings oh, yeah. and talk about oh, yeah. scripture. And I don't think <clears throat> I'm worthy or I don't know enough about the Bible to sit around with a bunch of guys. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, how important is it to make faith um, seem fun as well, like to gather and go bowling or yeah. gather and watch uh, a basketball game, things like that. How important is that as part of what, you know, those small groups yeah. do? Yeah. Super important uh, for us, it's, it's you've got to do life with guys. So our heartbeat and what we gather around is talking about where we're at. It doesn't mean everything's about feelings. Hey, this is what I struggled with this week or a challenge I faced. Uh, one of our groups is what was hard for you this week and what brought you joy? So when you start out with those conversations, it, honestly, you get into so much. I mean, because as guys, you know, it may be the hole in one shot that you made at the course that week that brought you the most joy or, you know, a bass that you caught, whatever that, or, or seeing your kids uh, succeed at something. And so when you begin to talk about joys and hardships, that opens the door to having a great time as well as just going, hey, we're coming together for this, but we want you to connect outside of these groups. We want you to honestly have friends that you go to the golf course with, that you go to the shooting range with, men who not just are those who you're gonna share your struggles with, but really enjoy doing life with, that are walking beside you because iron sharpens iron, and only way that happens is if you're in proximity to each other. Yeah, and I know our family at one point, and I wish we would have done it longer for years, but we did the mad, glad, and sad when yes. we, we sat around at dinner and everybody had to give theirs and uh, kind of thinking about different things. And so, uh, Paul, if people want to get involved with the redeemed, I mean, how do they do that? I mean, is there like a prerequisite? Do you have to fill out a background check or what? <laughs> how, how, how does that work? No, there's no prerequisites. We take anybody and everybody. <laughs> uh, all we ask is that you just come with an open heart and an open mind. Uh, but we can get connected through our website, theredeem.com. Uh, the best thing to do is to sign up for our newsletter. It gives people access to all different facets of what we're doing, whether it be devotionals, podcasts, events, uh, you know, information that we're passing out about our small groups and large group meetings. Uh, and so that's the best way to get connected. Social media is also a great way to get connected. We, we are on almost all platforms. Uh, we think it's a great way to communicate with our audience and to get to know people and to spread the word about what we're doing. Uh, but yeah, come on board, redeem.com, and uh, we're here to help you. Yeah, and, and I know as somebody with a history of, you know, I guess one of your primary jobs is let's make money, you know, uh, and let's help give people sign. So this is not, this is more of a, this is a ministry, a nonprofit. It's, it's different than uh, maybe yes. like, you know, a, a regular business job, right? Yeah, it's a 501c3. So we are a, a full ministry and a full uh, charity. Uh, but, you know, up until this point, we have not even taken donations in. Our, our whole thing has been building the community for others, and eventually that will change. Uh, but 
for right now, we've really been focused on how do we help this community, and that community extends beyond the reaches of Columbus and the Valley area, and extends to wherever men are. Uh, but obviously, it's having a huge impact here, and we hope the Tim Tebow event that we're having will have a big impact as well here in our community. Yeah, he's a great speaker for sure. And Nate, so how how does how does it work with like okay, so you have you know. Um, I think it is 11 small groups now, or maybe it could be more than that. So we'll, we'll have nine small groups this fall and then three huddle groups. Gotcha. So is it, and this is men from, from all over this area or maybe all over the nation? So our online groups are all over the nation and those here locally. Uh, we have groups here in, in Phoenix City and the Columbus uh, side of the river. So uh, if you're local, you can definitely check out one of those groups. And even if you're local and you're like, hey, it just doesn't work for my schedule, Check out one of the online groups. It really is amazing the, the relationships that can be built in an online platform. I'm super thankful for technology and a, a, you know COVID, there was times where all of us probably got a little Zoom fatigue, but uh, <laughs> at the same time, it allows us to connect with people all over the world and to have a conversation. My, my online group that I've been leading currently, uh, we've got a guy in Iowa, a guy in Kansas City, Missouri, a guy in South Alabama, a guy in North Alabama, a guy that's been in South Florida, uh, one in Birmingham. So just, you, you can talk and, and have fellowship and common ground. One of the things, us being here with Fort Moore is also super important for us because we believe there's so many men that come into our community for such a short period of time for training. How can we help these guys who are soldiers transition to new areas and stay connected and one of those is online online groups because you can have those relationships until maybe you get plugged into a community where you're headed yeah and that's yeah you know, i know you guys have had jeff Struker on from uh the real black hawk yeah. down i've had him on the podcast as well and one last thing you know you were talking about the military you know um a lot of the, these guys uh, you know have gone to combat or they've gone through some really difficult things in training and been away from their family for a long time ptsd perhaps so, um, you know, and, and maybe they're around some guys that are not military. Mm -hmm. So how, are, are they, you know, um, are this an opportunity for maybe soldiers that wouldn't have opened up to be able to kind of, kind of uh, really be open with another group of guys? Yeah, so uh, it, particularly back to one of the online groups that I'm, I'm leading, uh, we have military guys in there, non-military guys. And it is so amazing just to see again, when we began to talk about life, those joys, those hardships that we're facing, there's such common ground, no matter what angle you come from. Uh, and we all have some kind of trauma, most people. Uh, and so whether it's uh, combat trauma or trauma from childhood, there's so many things that we can have conversation around and, and connections. And I've seen guys, honestly, I think be healthier because they're not just around the military community or they're not just around the community that's non-military, it's civilians. I think it's been important for to have all different kinds of guys in those groups, uh, young, old, unique situations, married, unmarried, because one of the things I think they're reminded of is though my challenge may seem unique, there's commonality in it. Absolutely, yeah. And Paul, I'm sure you guys have talked about this as well, that this, um, you know, a lot of these guys may come from different churches all over mm -hmm. the area. So this is not necessarily replacing church. I mean, you know, um, you know, so tell us about how you guys are kind of a, I don't know, an arm or a branch, you know, a, along with the church kind of thing. Yeah, you know, we really want to be independent of a particular church. Uh, I think that there are so many wonderful churches in this community who are helping people and continue to preach into them and sharing God's word. And we think that's a wonderful thing. But we think that there's also a need for community that sometimes happen outside the walls of the church. A lot of guys just don't want to walk inside of a church and feel like they've got to open up because they feel 
the most constricted at the time that they're actually in God's house. And so we want them to feel independent of that and capable of coming and talking in a different way than they could necessarily at their church. Uh, and so we think we're a partnership and we have people from every church in the community who are joining us and, and a part of this. Uh, but we also think that that independence is an important aspect to helping people really open up and feel free to be in community. Yeah, and I, and I want you to feel free to be independent of going to Duke University. <laughs> okay, I mean, you know, I'll be, I'll be praying for you and the Blue Devils. I mean, it's going to be a tough losing season this upcoming year. So, uh, you know, because my Tar Heels are, are on the comeback trail. So uh, we'll see. But football season is, is big around here. And uh, I, most of the time I close my podcast um, in prayer. I just want to make that a priority. So, uh, Nate, if you can close us out in prayer, that'd be great. Be happy to. Father, we just thank you so much that we can um, celebrate redemption. Lord God, thank you for redeeming us from uh, sin, from a life of brokenness, Lord God, for bringing healing. Lord God, I thank you that our identity is who you say we are now, and we just thank you for that. I thank you for this uh, podcast and this ministry. Um, I just pray you continue to bless that. I pray, Lord God, over our event. Oh, Lord God, use it, Lord God, to be a catalyst in men's life to help them take the step, to take off the mask, to be vulnerable and honest, to get plugged in with community so that they're not doing life alone. We thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And Lord, help us just to be a light, a city set on a hill for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I, I definitely, uh, people need to get plugged in, uh, men, to those small groups and the devotionals and uh, the Redeemed Man podcast, which I get you, you guys co-host together or uh, sometimes? We divide and conquer yes. a little bit of, <laughs> a few times together, but a lot of times separately. And so we each have our own guests and, uh, and we, we think that gives our audience a different perspective. Yeah, well, I, when I think of the word redeemed, for some reason the song comes to mind, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Yes. You know, uh, so it's, it's awesome. So I uh, appreciate all you guys are doing in the community. You guys are doing awesome work. Uh, men, uh, you know, go and, and, and open up. And it's, it's okay. It's okay to cry. Real men do cry, right? Yeah, <laughs> sure. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. Thank you.